Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm in the same tribe <laughs> with Jesus lovers. And when you find the like-minded tribe, you know you're of the tribe of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. So I, I've been in Africa for 20 years, and it's my home. And as we were worshiping this evening, I was thinking of, as I was standing uh, in the midst of guns and bullets where I live in South Sudan, and we worship in war zones. There's no difference. No matter where you worship, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords fills and inhabits your praises. And every time you do, do, he does kingdom business. So the best thing you can do is begin worshiping on a war zone. And we do. And God's raising worshipers and warriors who know how to weep, who know how to wash his feet, who know the power of the word. And it's transforming nations. So I went over, uh, I'm third generation missionaries, grandparents in China 30 years and POWs, parents in the Philippines for 60 years and I grew up in the midst of terrorism in the, in the Philippine jungles and uh, there was a price on my dad's head for, 75, for, for 40 years and he worked there for 60, translating the Bible. And I realized as I, met, as I watched a man live on his knees that the greatest sermon you can ever speak, you can ever, you, you can ever speak is to live it. And so he, he had no fear. He had absolutely no fear. When you have, when you have any fear, then the, then the enemy has the upper hand. And uh, fear, fear paralyzes. Fear has torment. Fear confuses. First, First John 4, 18, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So there was a price on his head for 45 years he never left. The safest place in the world is in the center of God's will. And so, uh, so, so we lived there and, uh, and we never left. Other people were evacuating, but he lived by the voice of God. And I know we're living in a day and a season that if his voice isn't more real to us than the voice of man, we may not live. As many as are led of the spirit, Romans 8, 14 says, are the sons of God. So if we're not led of the Spirit, are we the sons of God? We take a verse in reverse all the time, you know? So we've got to be led of the Spirit. We've got to know His voice. This is the way, walking it. You hear a voice behind you, Isaiah 30. My sheep hear my voice, John 10. And worship teaches you to tune in to the voice of God. Tune in to the station of heaven. Get in line with the whispers of God. And so that was part of my upbringing. Uh, I, I worked in Oklahoma as a nurse for a while until God called me to Africa. And I had been reading Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've ever read that, it's really pretty much like the New Testament. They never checked the news, the weather, the media, or the budget before they went. If God said go, they went. You know why? The call of the cross is salvation. When we take up our cross, we have decided to deny ourselves, not preserve ourselves. There's a big difference. We live in the West with self-preservation. 
We live in the kingdom with self-denial. And the call of the cross is, I've already chosen to lay my life down. So whether you use me in life or use me in death, I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. And I will glorify God for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and they loved not their life even unto death. Greater love has no man than this than he lay his life down. If we save our life, we're going to lose it anyway. But if we lose it for him, we're going to find it. That was a breed of disciples in the New Testament church that's hard to find. But they knew what it was like to say, I surrender all. And if if you make that statement and that commitment to the Lord at the time of salvation, you know what? The devil can't kill a dead man. And I realized that as I went into these war zones. I didn't ask God to take me there, but I did say, send me where no one wants to go. That's a very dangerous place, but I meant it with all of my heart because I kept saying, as we worshiped and we worshiped in the church and I was in Oklahoma doing street ministry and heroin addicts and many things and and the Lord said how much do you love me? I said with everything Lord and he said enough to leave 99 and go after one he said because that's where I am he said I'm not sitting anywhere and I'm not sitting still I've left 99 to go after one I said I'll go anywhere Living love is a whole lot different than talking about it. So when I said that and I said, use me anywhere you want me to go, I didn't know where it would be. But when I got a call to go Uganda and run a Bible campus for a year by Campus Crusade, it wasn't the place I had prayed about because it was pretty peaceful. But I accepted the invitation and I went for a year And I realized it was my training ground. When you sign up to be obedient to the Lord, no matter what he tells you to do, remember the call of the cross and the call of surrender is unconditional. We don't reserve the final say. We have no right to say, what are my benefits? Am I going to come back alive? Do I have a ticket home? What if there's diseases? What what, what What comforts do I have? There are none. There are none. When you say yes to the Lord Jesus, anything he gives you is an added benefit. And he takes good care of you. But we're living for eternity, remember? And when we go, and we go right now into gun zones where the government withdraws everybody, I'll look at a hundred Bible school students in that room and I'll say, who wants to go? When every hand shoots up, send us. Send us north. Send us in. Because if we don't take light into darkness, how will darkness ever be dispelled? There's no way to dispel darkness except to move God in. And it dissipates darkness. Light dispels it, but only when you bring the light in. We'll go. Every hand will shoot up. And I'll say, what made you answer so quickly? They said, we already settled it. When we got saved, we already decided. We'd signed up for the Lord's army. And we'll take our orders. What are they, Lord? Our eternity is secure. There isn't. There isn't. Why wouldn't we go? And why wouldn't we give what's temporal to gain what's eternal? So when I got a call to go north after my year in the South 
of Uganda to go where the war zone was. I didn't really understood what that meant, but I said yes. And the U.S. Embassy said, that's off limits. I said, uh, off limits, why? Well, because missions is evacuated and people have been lost in gunfire. I said, a thousand people a day are dying. They're being offered human sacrifices. They're being chopped up, massacred, burned alive, diseases and starvation. I said, I can't find in the Gospels where they said it was off limit. And I said, if there's people dying there, I said, I'm going to go in. And they said, you can't. And I said, well, I said, is that an order? And they said, it's a strong suggestion. So they said, what's your name? I told him my name. This is the consular at the embassy. And he said, I'm writing your name off. You're as good as dead. At that moment, I thought, I sure am glad my name's written in the Lamb's book because that's the only thing that matters. I, and I said, thank you, sir. So I was non-existent from then on to them. And I went. And you know, God doesn't live in traditional boxes. He can't live in those boxes. He never will, and they won't contain him. And tradition says, well, you know, you got to raise his support, and you got to, you know, have a covering, you got to have some money or whatever. And I thought, well, I didn't see in the book of Acts where they did that either, and I couldn't find anybody who would be willing to back me to come home in a body bag. So I said, well, if it's in the gospel, if I can find it in the word, then I'm going for it. Everything in the word, I want it. And you know, we want the miracles and we want the power of the book of Acts and we see it all. Every miracle you've seen in the Bible, we watch it and we live in it. But we also know the prayer of the book of Acts. And they lived every day in prayer, sold out. So as I went north, and the darkness was so thick you could cut it with a knife. I struggled with fear that day. And the Lord said, I, I can't use you in fear. It'll paralyze you. Then what do I do? Give me more, more faith. He said, you don't need more faith. You're going. He said, you don't have enough love. If you love the people you're going to serve and lay your life down more than your own life, you'll never think about your life again. I said, baptize me in love. And he baptized me in love in the car that day. I couldn't find a soul to go with me. Not even anybody from the south. And I crossed the Nile River drove six hours by myself. When I got to the town, the security said, you're a security risk. We've evacuated Westerners. And I said, well, I'm here to stay. And they allowed me to live in a little house, had bullet holes in the wall, put a sign out in the front. House of prayer. Everybody welcome. 20 years of war. And they were terrified. The UN said it was the worst atrocity they'd seen since Hitler. And the massacres were horrible. But more than that was the demonic darkness over the whole region. But God, there's no human flesh that can pierce that kind of darkness. But God. And everywhere I read in the word, in the darkest seasons of Israel, in the darkest times of the word, if my people called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal the land. Well, we all want healing of the land. And God's promises are conditional. His love is unconditional, but he's got conditions. He can't fail his part of it. But if we haven't seen the healing of the land yet, I wonder if we've met our part. Because he's faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God.
and it can never fail his covenant. So in that little tiny house, an African couple moved in with me and we said, we're going to pray 7A, 7P, seven days a week. And I put it on the sign. People poured into that little house, flooded the house. Three hours were on our face in the morning, three hours in the evening, all day Saturday, seven days a week, crying out for God. And I love this sign right here. We just finished 77 hours in the stadium in South Sudan. And we call it a platform for Jesus. No man, no name, no title, and no denomination. We have vice presidents and members of parliament that come up. I said, you can read the word and pray for the nation. But we aren't going to introduce you and you aren't going to preach. I said, this is Jesus' platform. Amen. You can get the word out because he holds his word above his name. He watches over it to perform it. It will never return void. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never, never pass away. He cannot fail his promises. He stands on it. It's his foundation. It's the fire of God that was in the bones of Jeremiah. And when he declares it and speaks it, it's done. He has the final say. We got our Bibles out. How do you pray for a region like that where babies are slaughtered and whatever? We have that kind of darkness now in this country. You get the word out. You get the word out. God, you said, put me in remembrance. He hasn't forgotten, but we have. Put me in remembrance. Speak it. Declare it. Weep it. War it. Worship with it. The word is the power of God unto salvation. And we began weeping the word. We went into this grass field. I got it from the government. Had to get permission. They said, you can't pray in that stadium. It's a burial ground. I said, we have to pray in the stadium. After six months in the house, we got to get prayer out there. And we got to invite people. We want to watch 2 Chronicles 7.14. God wants to show up. He said, you can't pray there. I said, we're going to pray there. You can't. We're going to. I saw Jacob didn't take no for an answer. And I don't either. He wrestled with God and said, I'm not letting go of you. He said, grab hold of the horns of the altar. If we know how to persevere in prayer, if we, you know what push stands for? Pray until something happens. If we know how to get a hold of God and say, I'm not letting go until, until Isaiah 32 says, until the spirit is poured out on high, until we see heavens torn, rend your hearts and I'll rend the heavens. We fasted for 40 days just to get the stadium. I'm talking to you about skinny little war-torn people that had already been started. How bad do we want it? This kind comes not out except by prayer and fasting. And fasting is an atomic bomb. I don't just teach spiritual warfare, but we live it. There's no other way to break through the forces. I see it in Daniel 9 when he got on his face and fasted. God sent Gabriel and Michael to find the strong man. And a nation was delivered. Same with Esther. All through the Bible. You see the power.
prayer and fasting. We got on our faces. How bad do we want it more than our life? How bad do we want God to show up more than our life? Babies are dying and children are being killed. Every time I ask God to do something, in 2 Samuel 24, 24, David said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. Every time I ask God to do something, he always says, what's it worth to you? What's it worth to you to see your city healed? What's it worth to you to see your kids coming back? What's it worth to you? You know what it was worth to me? Take up your cross and follow. Deny ourselves. He's taught us how to fight the fight of faith. And every disciple was a martyr except for one. But they turned the world upside. They were a breed of another kind. And their eternity was secure. And they never lived for self-preservation. We fasted for 40 days. I went right back to the government office. I said, I need that stadium. We're going to pray. Sure, you can have it. Just like that. Every single time we face headhunting tribes, Naked warriors, blood and guts, when that government has pulled everybody out, we go in. And we go in to clean up the spoil. And that's the harvest. We'll go into areas because of prayer and fasting three weeks at a time. And hundreds, thousands walk into the kingdom. You don't have to wrestle with them. You don't have to try to convince them. Right now, 20 years later, we've got 700 full-time missionaries going into the most dangerous areas in northern Africa, facing spearmen and witch doctors and seeing them converted and become the greatest evangelists in the ministry. And we're seeing five to 6,000 souls come to Jesus per month. Per month, the last three months, we had 20,000 come to the Lord Jesus. I have to tell you one, I'll tell you one story. There's many, many, but we were holding a big evangelistic crusade in eastern, eastern South Sudan. And it was 1.2 million people. We don't count them. The government does. We put on the posters come dead or alive Jesus is coming to town that's how we invite him we put, say that on the radio because when you walk in you know what Jesus walks in when you come into a building and when you walk into your house and you walk into your workplace Jesus has just walked in and you're the one that set the temperature you set the atmosphere you don't check what the atmosphere is you set it I want to be known in heaven, but I sure want to be known in hell. I want everybody in hell to tremble and say, oh no, there she comes again. And they start to scatter. 1.2 million people. They came together. And all we do is teach the word of God. You know why the word's so powerful? For every reason I said, faith comes by hearing. 
when you pray it out loud, you speak it out loud, you sing it out loud, you dance, you war with the Word of God, you know what you're doing? You're causing the devil to flee. You're causing your faith to go to another level. And you're causing heaven to be activated, to watch over that, to perform it. Three realms are affected when you begin speaking the Word. So we're just telling Bible stories to 1.2 million people that had walked seven days. Many of them, seven days to come. We're talking about the crippled man. We're talking about the woman with the issue blood. One little crippled man, they carried him on a stretcher. He'd never walked in his life. Born that way. And they brought him in, just dropped him on the ground. There was crippled people. There was blind. There was all kinds of... We're just telling about Jesus. How he touched blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, all these stories. Faith entered that little man's heart because he heard, why not me? You did it for them, why not me? And that's the kind of tenacious faith we are to have every time we open the Bible. Why not me? He, 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 he felt something coming to his legs. He started straightening them out. He started standing up. He said, help me. Help me. He got up. He jumped up on his feet, took off. Took off running. We never saw him. We just saw this ripple through the crowd. We thought, well, what happened there? And all of it, you know, we just kept right on talking. And, and, and the governor was up on the platform. That was only one miracle. There was many, many, many. It just happened like popcorn. We didn't touch anybody. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. We walk through the streets declaring the word. We pray the word. We worship in the street. Miracles happened that night. One, little, one lady brought a little child that was dead. She was about nine years old. About to bury her. She was already rigor mortis threw her up on the platform and disappeared. The mom disappeared. And we looked down and there was this dead child there. We'd watched God raise the dead before. We picked her up, started praying over her. That's all we do is just have faith and believe. God, you did it before. You could do it again. And you love these people. One miracle is it preaches a thousand sermons. You know that one miracle preaches a thousand sermons. We prayed over her. The little girl started breathing and came back to life. The mom's about to bury her because she's brought up in the village and she already, was already stiff. That little girl came back to life. She sat up. We gave her a drink. The governor stands there and just about passes out. He'd never seen anything like it. Remember, it's all witchcraft there. He gets on his knees on that, on that platform in front of 1.2 million people and he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The most beautiful scene in the world is to see somebody transfer from darkness to light. And as he got saved, he goes, he, he gets up and he goes, wow. He said, did you see that? And he said, your God is big. You know why people are coming to God? They want to serve the God that has the most power. They want to serve the God that has love. And they want to serve a God that's alive not dead and he said uh, we haven't had rain here 
in about nine or ten months and our kids are dying and our cattle are dying he said can your God bring rain well what are you gonna say sure he can bring rain and he said good show me right well we love praying and the rest is up to God right so we're believing first Kings 18 we start praying Lord you love the people show off he loves to show up every time we have a Crusades Mount Carmel showdown God loves to show off he loves to show up and he loves to show up Lord you can bring rain we just prayed nothing happened we went on preaching telling more Bible stories it was about 10 or 11 or late at night we let everybody go some walking some sleeping on the grounds to the next night it will go about seven or ten days midnight God opened the heavens and a gully wash just flooded I mean we couldn't get our jeepneys through the low water crossings it was just a monsoon rain till noon the next day next night there's this man coming up the platform here gotta say something I gotta say well, sure come on up here he comes on up he said remember that pallet he said I was carried in here last night on that pallet he said I'd never walked in my life and he said my legs straightened and I jumped up and he said and I took off and he said when I, I ran all the way back to my village I was so excited and they'd never seen me walk and he said and when I got there they killed a goat and celebrated because they'd never seen anything like it he said my whole village is here tonight and they want to hear about this Jesus 200 more got saved then the governor got up there and he said wow what a rain he said your God loves us your God is real and then he said this about the third or fourth night and that little girl had been raised from the dead he'd seen the rain and he'd seen the boy crippled healed and he said you know what there's this naked warring tribe up there in the mountains they've got AK-47s everybody does in South Sudan because they've had 60 years of war so they get the guns off of everybody's body they barter with bullets they don't use spears anymore little eight-year-old kids keep AK-47s to keep the cattle they've all got guns and he said they'll kill everything that moves even the soldiers everybody's terrified of this tribe he said can your God bring peace you're gonna get about every question out of the book when God shows up I said yes he can because he's the Prince of Peace he said good then go I won't go with you because they'll kill us so our team went they wouldn't let me go on that one they said mama you stay home and get on your knees and I stayed on my knees I'll stay three weeks fasting on our knees where we've got teams up in the wild lions and the bullets and God brings every one of them home alive in 20 years we've never lost a man we're ready to not eager to but never lost any everything we do two or three weeks prayer and fasting ahead of time so when the strong man is bound in a situation you just go spoil the goods that's all even over your cities over your regions so we get the map out we say God we got to go in here we got to go in here they never heard Jesus every tribe every tongue that's what Matthew 24 says Matthew 24 14 and then the coming of the Lord Jesus until our cities are one until every person knows I said we got a job to do we're going and we start praying and fasting putting our hands on the map and going so our team went the next morning 
And it was hours on a goat trail up the mountains. And when they got there, the chief sounds out the cry. They're, they're stark naked, except for strings of bullets around their neck and their AK-47. And they do the war cry and come in and out of the jungle. And everybody got their guns cocked and ready to fight, ready to kill. And, 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 the, and the driver that the governor had sent and the little interpreter and our team got out. And, and I've done this before. I've, when I've been uh, hedged in by seven-foot rebels ready to, ready to take my head off. I remember in the Bible it says David acted like a crazy man and it saved his life. And so our teams have done that a few times. And one of them said, well, they're all naked. Paul said, when I go to Rome, I do as a Roman. So he tore off his shirt to get it, you know, just like him. And, and they were quite amused. And then he jumped up on their, on their, on their mud hut and started fixing their roof. And he's just, I mean, buzzing around and acting very, very mad and very wild. And he has their undivided attention. And the chief realizes, well, these, these guys are pretty funny and they're, and they're harmless. What they come up here for risking their lives? We kill everybody. Nobody enters our area. So he came over and through the interpreter, do you have something to say? And he said, yes, we do. And so the chief motions for everybody to sit down. They, every one of them have a gun. They sit down on the ground. You don't have but about two minutes to spit it out because either you're going to be invited for supper or invited to be supper. And so... And, and really, that's the way it is, because we go into cannibal territories, and you don't have a clue whether, which way it's going to be. So he sat down, and, and they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the Bible. But you know, when you're talking to somebody, all they have to do is open their eyes and see there's a creator. There's stars in the sky, and there's birds that sing. And there's trees, and they were made by a God. And this creator had a son. The creator loved you so much that he gave his son to buy you, to trade you. You don't have to shed your blood. He shed his blood to free you. They understand that language. How many want the son of the creator? Every hand shot up. The whole village. And our guys, I think they understood me. He said it again. How many want the son of the creator? That means we're going to stop killing. He already died. His blood was shed. And you're going to give him your life in exchange. Every hand went. They prayed after our guy to receive Jesus into their heart. And the whole atmosphere changed. They put their guns down and started celebrating. The chief was weeping, and he came over to our team, and he said, do you have any more stories about the creator? We need to know more. We can't make hearts hungry. We can't make hearts open. But the spirit of the living God can. And there's broken, hungry, hurty people in every city, in every town, and in every village. And we bring worshiping in and the word in, and we go to war because there's people to be rescued. And we have a job to be done. 
And that's our call, believers. That's our number one call. We were saved to reproduce. We were saved to make his name known. We were saved to leave 99 and go out to one. To come back in as the, as the disciples did and they broke bread and they worshiped and they prayed and they were disciples teaching. Went out every day, God added to the church. Every day. And all he needs is an abandoned life to turn a city upside down. All he needs is self-denial instead of self-preservation. All he needs is to find a people like here today to say your word is above every other name. It is the final say, but it's above my doctrine, my beliefs, my religious system. It's above my fears. And fear is the number one thing that keeps us from being obedient. Fear of the past, fear of the future, fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown, fear of the uncertainty of tomorrow. Fear is the only thing that keeps us from our promised land. And our promised land is the revival in our nation. That's our promised land. That's our inheritance. It's not the American dream. It's heaven's dream. And heaven's dreaming about souls. And heaven's dreaming about cities. I said to our guys just before I left South Sudan, I said, don't ever forget this. Slaves ask for supplies. Ser servants ask for supplies. Sons ask for city. Your sons and daughters are the king. He said, ask me for a city. What's it going to take to turn our cities upside down for Jesus? As we look at the book of Acts in, in action. to speak on spiritual warfare in Chicago. I was talking to the policeman up there. I was doing some spiritual mapping to some of the gatekeepers of the city. How bad you want revival? They're pretty desperate. It doesn't take a lot. It's no different for God to save by many or few. We, we, when we talk about the deceiver, one of the deceptions the devil has, has done to the church is to make us believe it's hopeless and we're powerless. That's a lie of the devil. It's not hopeless and we're not powerless. Because I looked in the back of the book, we win. We win. That's a deception of the devil to think we can't do anything. We have all the force of heaven behind us. And faith is the majority.
What will it take? David inquired of the Lord for every battle plan and every strategy. And God wants us to mobilize with strategy, the body of Christ. Because God wants to take cities. And he has action plans. He has blueprints because he's the builder of his church. When he's lifted up, he draws. And in Haggai, when it was time to rebuild the house of God, which out my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, he stirred up the hearts of the people. He did it. We need laborers, pray to me. I'll bring them, he said. He'll do it. But the deception of the devil is to lead us to believe. There's nothing we can do. You think God's bigger than governments? They're drops in the bucket. He holds them in derision. He's the God over every government, every nation. And the government's on his shoulders and only his. And as we place it there, there will be no end to the increase of his government, of his peace, Isaiah 9. And that government rests upon the church because we are the body. He's the head. And maybe we're the shoulders. In the, in the word of God, it was the church that dictated history. So when we have prayer gatherings and mobilize cities and regions and we live in prayer, we watch the headlines change in one week. It'll say, dictator removed from Sudan. You can go freely now with the gospel. Who does that in a terrorist nation? But God. Another prayer gathering a week later. The death sentence for converting to Christianity has been lifted. Wow. Who does that but God? Now we just go in and gather the spoil and take the land. The kingdom has suffered enough violence. It's the violent that take it by force. And do you know what that force is? I said, God, what does that force look like? Have you ever seen number five white water like we have in the Nile River? People come from all over the world to kayak in certain places that's the highest white water, huh? What does it look like for God's people to take a city by force? Does that mean you're going and grabbing it from the enemy? Well, maybe so. We get, we take back what he's stolen. We go repossess what God paid for, which is our cities, our children, and the next generation. Repossess it. It's paid for in full by the blood of the Lamb. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.